Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, where each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom from the female perspective. Everything from Star Wars, to The Office, to cosplay, to fanfic. It's all right here, so sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, I hope everybody is doing well and everybody's staying safe and healthy in this really weird time right now. Um, and I wanted to say we did have, again, some more issues with background static noise. Um, we are trying to find the best audio recording equipment that we can. We've tried a couple of things, and I think with everybody being remote, it makes it a little bit more difficult. So I do apologize for that. Um, and I also just want to stress, if you have not seen season six of Shit's Creek, or if you haven't even started Shit's Creek, um, I would, and you plan on it, I would wait until you've finished it. To listen to the episode since we spoil throughout. So anyway, but I think it's a great one and I hope everyone is doing well. Thank you so much for listening. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of It's a Fandom Thing. This week we're going to be talking about the comedy show Shit's Creek. We are going to be spoiling it. They did have their series finale last Tuesday, so be warned that there will be spoilers galore in this episode. So if you've not finished watching the series, please stop this now and then return later. But as always, before we get into all things Shit's Creek, we're going to go around and have everybody introduce themselves and tell me one thing in fandom or pop culture that they're excited about right now. I'm going to start with you, Carla. Hi, I'm Carla Themis-Rose, and I am very excited about David and Patrick. I'm also excited about Patrick and David, and that is the only thing that matters to me this week and possibly any week for many weeks to come. Okay, awesome. And Judy? Hi, my name is Judy Alsip, and I am getting ready to start a rewatch of Lucifer right now in preparation for uh, the next season coming out, which I'm super excited for. Cool. Awesome. And then if people haven't watched it, we did have a um, Lucifer episode that aired not too long ago. So, and I, I think it's a really good one. So it's one of our more popular ones. So yeah, I'm excited about that too. And did they set a release date for it? Uh, the last I saw was like June 9th or something, so, like early uh, June. Okay. 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 But cool. who know, everything is kind of scrambled right now. So yeah. dates are moving and whatnot. So who knows? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. And Meg? Uh, yeah, so I'm Meg, and I finally got around to watching Tiger King, and it was not nearly as much about tigers <laughs> as I would have liked, um, but it is, such, <laughs> it is such a hot mess, and all of the fallout that's been happening because of it, between Joe Exotic and that bitch Carol Baskin. <laughs> she did it. She totally did it. <laughs> Who fed her husband to tigers. <laughs> has been like it's been the dumpster fire distraction i've needed and yeah so that's kind of what i've been doing that and day drinking which i was talking about earlier <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> awesome 
Okay. And this is Aaron. And what I'm into right now is I finally watched Birds of Prey, um, which I wish I had seen it in the theater because I would have loved to have been able to hear the music really loud and the fight sequences louder. Um, but overall, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, when the trailers came out, I was kind of annoyed by Margot Robbie. It. I thought she was kind of annoying, but she didn't annoy me at all as um, Harley Quinn um, in the movie. And it was also interesting to see Chris Messina playing a truly evil, disgusting character. It's the first time I haven't found him attractive. And I have been recently rewatching the Mindy Project in preparation for our Mindy Project episode next week. And uh, yeah, so it's very different to see him as Danny Castellano compared to his character in uh, Birds of Prey. So that's what I'm into. Okay, great. So let's get started with our Schitt's Creek talk. So we're going to start just talking about the Rose family in general. I'm going to start with you, Carla. What are your thoughts on the Rose family and who's your favorite Rose family member? My favorite character is probably David Rose, and that's just because I relate to him in so many ways that make me so incredibly sad. But he's just a wonderful character, played beautifully by Dan Levy. Um, I also, I, I basically love all of them, uh, and I will tell you why. Alexis Rose, I think, has had like the most growth in the entire series, and she has given us the wonderful gift that is Alexis Hands, which. I use whether I want to or not. I just find myself doing it. And my husband's like, stop doing it for the love of God, please. And I'm like, like, I totally would. But I just have to tell you that I don't think I can stop. Um, Moira has grown the least. But she's so, I, she's still so compelling. And it's completely Catherine O'Hara just being magnificent, as she always is. And last but not least, Johnny Rose. I have such a soft spot for him because Eugene Levy, I had a crush on from like the splash days. And he's just so cute. I don't know what to tell you. Like, he's, he, I have a type. <laughs> 100%. 100. There's no denying that I have a type. And also because Johnny has just developed from, you know, kind of a an okay dad to, like, a dad to everyone. And the way that he has kind of taken Stevie under his wing and made him his third child. Like, every time I watch someone scream together, I'm like, oh, my God, they're so cute. But yeah, I, I love the Rose family. Awesome. And Judy, what are your thoughts on the Rose family? And who's your favorite? Uh, well, as far as favorite, at first, uh, David was, of course, my favorite. He's just such a character. And you just, so much charisma, you can't stop watching him. You can't take your eyes off him when he's on screen. But the Rose family as a whole, I just, so when I first started watching it, I really didn't expect them to have as much heart and love for each other as they did um you know when it starts they're this extremely rich family and i don't know i just didn't expect this deep love um between johnny and moira for sure and david and alexis too um and i just have loved watching that develop and the other thing is one of my favorite things about this family and this program as a whole is watching this family learn to embrace the joy in little things, the simplicity and like these little everyday wins and really figuring out the most important things in this world are the relationships that they have with each other and that they've built um, with other people. It's, it's just beautiful thing to watch. Um, and if we want to talk about favorites, I also just have to talk about Alexis. Oh my gosh. First of all, her face journeys. <laughs> <laughs> 
just, oh my gosh, she's amazing, right? Um, and the way that she fights so hard against this internal selfishness, and she tries so hard not to hurt people with it. What a cool, like, contradiction and fight that she has to constantly have with herself. I just love it. Um, and so good, good for her, for her, like, goodness winning out most of the time. But boy, does she have to fight for it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she started for me as a caricature. And she developed into this um, character that you just love with all your heart. And her backstory, oh my gosh, what on earth happened to this young girl? And what a disaster um, that must have been done to both her psyche and David. Um, and, you know, we get that little glimpse of it in one of the, I don't know what, it, what season it was, but some episode where, you know, David talks about how terrified he was um, when she was, you know, captured by pirates or whatever on earth it was. And just, you know, you have to realize that backstory that these misadventures must have created so much trauma that they both have gone through. And I guess that's why they cling so hard to finding some love and security in this, in this little town of Schitt's Creek. And uh, wow, what a great journey we've gotten to see on that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And Meg? Um, so while you guys were, were talking about yours, I was trying to narrow down a favorite of the Rose family because the fact is I absolutely just love them all. Um, and I love each of them for many, many different reasons. David, I would say, is kind of like the the knee-jerk reaction to say he's my favorite just because I think we spend so much time with him. Um, and so familiarity breeds love in my in my point of view. But one of the things that I love about this whole family, regardless of picking a favorite, and it's something that I read from the writer's room and, and Dan and Eugene decided when they were going to create this show, was that they're all good people they're ridiculous um and they are and they are in very varying ways very selfish and extravagant and kind of superficial especially when you meet them in the beginning but they're all good people like they didn't lose all of their money because they were assholes for, for anything they lost their money because they were too trusting of someone that they should have been able to trust um and that's one of the things that kind of really drew me to the show and kind of kept me watching even in some of the more ridiculous caricatures that we see. Um, and it really grounds the whole series. So I, it grounds it just enough for Moira to lift it um, <laughs> into the universe of, I don't even know where because she is amazing. And one of my favorite things about Moira, I had to talk to her is her wigs and the fact that when they had 15 minutes to gather anything they wanted, she managed to collect like 47 wigs. And it was it was beautiful and it was amazing. And it 100% like, I think her wigs are her character, basically. Or they're a whole other character, but they just encapsulate who she is so much. And kind of her facade and her changing. Because there is a little vulnerable core in there beneath all of the melodrama. Um, but yeah, and, and Johnny, I feel like, I think Johnny may have grown the least of the four of them. And that, and I say that only because 
of the four of them in the beginning, I feel like Johnny really was the most grounded and solid to begin with. Like we see in the Christmas episode with flashbacks and him wanting to spend time with his kids on Christmas and, and, and that sort of stuff. And I feel like that's kind of always been who he's been. He's always been a very family oriented man, but they just had so many distractions in their life that we never, he never really got to show that as much. So, I mean, I can't pick a favorite Rose uh, family member because there's just so much. And Alexis, I mean, Judy said, Judy said all I could say about Alexis, that, (laughs) that growth and her story arc and her story with Ted and how, and all of that is just so well done and so beautiful. And Annie Murphy was just amazing and how she made me love and care about basically a Kardashian more than I have ever cared about any actual Kardashian in my life um, really kind of speaks to her. And I'm so excited to see um, what she's doing next. I know she has a new show already that she's a lead on. So, and then um, for me, um, you know, it's, it's hard to pick a favorite. Like everybody said, it would probably be between David and Alexis um, and especially just watching them grow from becoming these, they they were really just children. Like they acted like little spoiled children Um, and watching them become more independent um, and more free spirited and feeling like they didn't need to rely on anybody else's money or anybody else's fame or anybody else really that they could rely on themselves. And And I think that was especially true in the, last season we really really saw that when um you know david chooses to stay in schitt's creek that's a pretty you know that's a pretty big thing for him especially because i think you know like every like every family member with the exception of johnny i didn't see it as much with johnny i think they all really wanted to get out of schitt's creek and wanted to get back to their life um and they thought they were better than that town and i think david realized that town really helped him and was the first thing that really loved him completely and for who he was, that those town members loved him for who he was and not for what he could get them, which was shown, especially with his friends in New York, not coming to his wedding. So that, that that kind of thing. So I loved seeing that. I loved seeing with Alexis, how she was even towards the end was still sort of leaning on her brother, like going to be staying with her brother in a place in New York Um, Her family was going to be there. And then when that ended up not happening, seeing her actually decide to still go to New York and to have her own adventure. And when she turned that money down from Twyla, I think that right there showed you so much about her growth because she wanted to make it on her own. She didn't want to have to rely on anybody else. So I really, really appreciated that and thought that was great and wonderful. And I love both of them. Um, And we're going to get into Catherine O'Hara just (laughs) separately because she's so brilliant. Um, But of course, she's great to watch um, and to watch her kind of get over (laughs) herself in a way (laughs) has been really interesting. And then and then Johnny's kind of like the dad to everybody watching him and Stevie. When we get into talking about Stevie, that's when I really Mm -hmm. talk about it. But their relationship, I think, has been amazing to watch. And then I'll just quickly say I've been doing polls all week about Schitt's Creek, different aspects. And as far, the first question I asked was who your favorite Rose family member was. 
and and hands down, it seemed on both Facebook and Twitter, which matched on pretty much all of these, um, David was hands down the winner of everybody. So there were a couple of votes for the others, but it was mainly David. And then I think Alexis came in about second, so, which matches with what we're all saying. Well, and just to hop on what you're talking about with Alexis, I think one of the most, uh, not adorable, but one of the most interesting things about Alexis was um, in the finale when she was talking to her mom and she goes like, we used to go like years without seeing each other. And to have her go from like, from not only going years without seeing her family, but being totally fine with it and having it not phase her even a little bit to starting to get really nervous and insecure. Like she finally actually left the nest, something that a lot of us do when we're much, much younger than she was. But to have that nervous and scared feeling and actually want your family around, I think is a really interesting thing to go from when she literally made a phone call to her boyfriend to lift her out of Shit's Creek within an hour of being there to being like still spreading her wings and going to do her thing, but still wanting and needing a safety net of her family, not her family's money or the wealth or anything like that, but wanting to have that connection um, I think that showed such a amazing growth for her as a character. And of course, David was going to stay in Shit's Creek. He's the only one that even made any sense because they have to have someone stay. Someone has to stay in that town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that yeah. hug between Alexis and her mom at the end. Oh, oh my, my gosh. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> my heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a feeling some of that was also the actors. <laughs> it may have been. Yeah. Yeah. The talent often bleeds through to the characters. Yep. Yeah, that was so, yeah. Well, let's get into the mom, the beautiful, wonderful Moira Rose, Catherine O'Hara, who I think just deserves to be talked about separately because, I mean, everybody's great. The whole cast is wonderful. But there's just something about Catherine O'Hara that she's just absolutely brilliant. Um, so, Carla, what are your thoughts on Catherine O'Hara and her performance? I... I've always loved her. I mean, I think probably the first thing I saw her in was either Beetlejuice or Home Alone. And I was enthralled with her even back then because she just, first of all, she just has such gravitas. When you see her on screen, you're just drawn to her. But also the fact that, you know, the way that she throws herself into a performance, into a role, and she just really becomes that person with so little vanity it really, it, it's, it just tickles me and it delights me because, you know, so many actors, I feel, kind of uh, will shy away from going too hard into any particular thing. But, you know, whether it's in those movies or in like the David Guest movies or anything that I've seen her in, she has no qualms about just going 100%. And, you know, you see that with, uh, with, as Dr. Clara Mandrake, when she's doing the, the cacaoing and she's, you know, proper and um, regal Moira Rose and she goes, Cah! like, <laughs> just like there's no tomorrow. And it's like the most natural sound coming out of her. I absolutely adore that. And, you know, a, a lot of the cast members have talked about when they've had to play drunk and how they've gone to Catherine and, and asked for for her advice. And her advice is always to just, you know, don't be afraid to look stupid. And I think that that's such wonderful acting advice in general. But I I think it probably means even more 
coming from her because she just doesn't seem like the person who would do something like that. Like that. I mean, you just see her, and you don't. You know, I I don't know. She just looks so put together. But then you see her. She's walking around and she's uh, drunkenly trying to give a shout out to her wordlinger <laughs> because it really is like one of the most perfect depictions of what Catherine O'Hara can do um, in a character. It's just really be out there, throw herself completely into something so ridiculous, so absolutely embarrassing potentially, and does not care and makes the most of it. Just, just squeezes every last bit out of it. And also, you know, uh, when, when they, when they talk about how, when they were luring her to be on the show and she said, no, I don't really want to be on it. And finally it's like, okay, but only if blah, 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 where she, she wanted to have all of these wigs and she wanted Moira to have this ridiculous accent that makes no sense. And it just works. It absolutely works. Can you imagine another Moira Rose without the accent, without the wigs, just some rich lady who is just kind of annoying and evil. It's because she's so out there. Without that, she's just a, a, an absolutely boring caricature of a rich lady. And she made her eccentric and she made us care about her because it's like, what is she going to say now? And how is she going to phrase that? And what wig is she going to wear? No, so her vocabulary. Bumbling. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's incredible. And the fact that she was so over the top but so loved anyway, it really just adds to the show. Yeah. 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 And Judy, do you have anything else you want to add on top of that? Um, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> O'Hara. The, yeah. You know, when you, you uh, first said the brilliance that is her and brilliant is like the perfect word to describe this, the way that she brought this character to life because, um, it could have been such a caricature and it, it was so, you know, she saw the character and she did the research to find inspiration and she made Moira so over the top, but she found that perfect balance where she wasn't out of reach for the audience. Um, and what, a, you know, what a delicate balance that could have been. Like you said, that, that she could have been just this annoying, sorry for any fans of the Kardashians, but she could have been a Kardashian, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it, she, she found that sweet spot where she was over the top, but also vulnerable and um, lovable. And, uh, you know, you can see beneath the, the outfits and the wigs and the accent that is fake, by the way. I mean, you know, we, we hear that she grew up in some little town. So that is all a part of her, the, this mask that she wears. Um, because you can see that underneath there's this insecure woman who needs adulation and she needs love as much as anybody else. And, uh, yeah, I just think she just gives that character so much complexity and vulnerability and likability. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it's kind of interesting that you talk about, um, this, all of her affectations we talked about and have talked about that. And I do have to say, Catherine O'Hara is probably one of the greatest character actors, um, of our time. And it's especially impressive because I can't think of a lot of female character actors. I can like name off 
several male character actors that we see a lot of and don't always necessarily know their name and not because they're not well-known or beloved, but because they're just such a, they're so good at their job. They do such a wonderful job encapsulating their characters that you can kind of forget that it's them. Yeah. They just disappear into the character. Exactly. Like, you know, with watching, like we see Matt Damon, it's like, okay, here's Matt Damon playing this character. And that's not an insult to Matt Damon per se. It's just, it, it's, it's a different kind of actor, I guess. Um, I got a little lost there for a second. Um, <laughs> I got lost in the woods there for a minute. I, I was trying to think of a word and it vanished from my brain. <laughs> Fun story. This is my first mark. Well, now it's my second. I'm, I go by the theory that if the glass doesn't get empty, it's still one. One. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but no, uh-huh. uh, what I was trying to say is that she's just such, does such a great job. She's so involved by her character that, um, it's easy to kind of forget, oh, this is Catherine O'Hara doing this. And I think it's the same when we watch her in Beetlejuice or Best in Show or Home Alone or any of those. I think Home Alone, she played the most straight character probably that she's ever played. Um, but one of the things and we've talked a bit, a bit about it, like how she could, she could, Moira could be so unbearable she could be so unlikable and insufferable but the way Catherine played her made her strangely relatable like and she did she said a lot of things out loud that I think people would generally kind of just keep in their own heads but she would say them in such a way that would kind of circumnavigate any negative feelings or anything that people would have mostly she leaves people bewildered (laughs) when she talks to them. Um, but I think one of the most endearing things, and I know Judy said that it was kind of like this facade she put up, but I don't feel like it necessarily is a facade. The accent might be some weird exaggeration of, of what it is, but it's not like she leaves her motel room or her house and acts that way. And then when she comes home, she's a whole other person. True. true. She, that she is truly become that that yeah, Moira. That, yeah, that is who she is, and you can tell she worked on a soap opera for many, many months. <laughs> hey, I love the, those crazy soap operas. The, <laughs> We're used yeah. to the drama of Moira, but she really is just a fantastical character, and Catherine O'Hara is amazing. I loved watching her. I feel like when she did most of her growth, and when she really kind of began to feel a part of the town because she always kept herself pretty separate from everything was during the musical when they were doing cabaret yeah and she really found a place to belong because of all the characters i think moira did not belong the most (laughs) yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah but she she found a little home with cabaret and i thought it was such a beautiful way to see her really find a sense of community within this town um and now that David is staying there, it's she'll actually be back. And it they finally have a home base, I feel like, that they never had before going to Schitt's Creek. Yeah, yeah. And going off of that with um, the cabaret, it was her pushing Stevie to a different place. Yes. You know, because, because Moira can come off as very self-absorbed, and very selfish. But I think what she did with Stevie and seeing... Um, you know, that potential within Stevie was such a beautiful thing to watch because it was this very selfless thing that she did. 
Um, you know, even though she briefly was going to take over the role when Stevie <laughs> was late, she was still selfless in the fact that she was like, she recognized that Stevie had all this potential. Um, and when we get into Stevie, I'll go into this more with the, the scene when Stevie sings her solo number. But, uh, you know, it's just, it was just so beautiful to watch that. And then to watch her when she uh, married her son to Patrick was just, and her kind of just all of a sudden breaking down, like it became that real. Outfit. Her son, well, yeah, the outfit alone, but just the emotion <laughs> there and the vulnerability. And, you know, all the wigs are just incredible. I mean, just, just amazing. Like she even, like, I think when I was watching the, documentary special after the series finale and I believe that was on there where they were talking about how each different wig would fit a different mood that she was in for that episode mm-hmm. a different state of mind she was in and um, you could tell it helped Catherine's performance and she's just so brilliant she's always there and she's always giving even though her character can be very selfish she's not a selfish actress she's very much uh playing off of everybody and playing to everybody's strengths and i think her brilliance is is that she helps lift everybody else up and helps lift their performances up and watching her and eugene levy i mean they're just so brilliant together all the time in all the christopher guest movies in everything they've ever done together they just I love them read together. Their, yeah, they read each other's minds. Well, and it's beautiful because they are a family. Like they they've known each other for so long. Like their families and, and spouses have all known each other for so long. And it's so clear in everything that they do together that it's not just well, we have good on-screen chemistry, but blah blah blah. The, the they respect and love. Genuine yeah. warmth um and high regard for each other. And you can see that kind of permeate everything that they do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why they're just so great. That's why, I mean, I can't imagine anybody else playing Moira Rose. That would have just, it, I just don't think anyone could have done it the way that she did. And I don't think anyone could have played off of Eugene Levy the way that she does. I think she just adds so much to the character and she adds so much heart and warmth to a character that, you know, like we've mentioned before, it could have been like a Kardashian so easily, you know, and could have been just had no warmth and no depth to her. Um, which once again, sorry if everybody thinks Kardashians are you know, the bomb <laughs> or something, but you know, you know, she just, she has more depth to her and more heart to her. And you really saw that, especially towards the end and how proud she was of her daughter with Alexis, just because I think Alexis for a long time was really trying to reach and grasp for her mother's love. Mm-hmm. And I think she always felt kind of envious of David and thought David got more of um, her mother's attention, which I think was actually true a lot of the time. Yeah. That, that's yeah. sort of really, that wasn't a thought. I think it was a fact. Yeah. Yeah. And so watching how, watching Alexis face when Moira says how proud she is of her and all that, it was just so beautiful to watch. And Catherine was so great in that scene. They both were, but yeah, that was so, yeah, she's just, she's incredible. And she, I'm glad that she got nominated for some awards and hopefully she will this year as well, but she should win. So <laughs> I mean, the show in general should win some awards, but they cast- call it the Emmanuel's or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. 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 She's great. She's great. 
Okay, so now we're going to switch over a little bit into what I think is probably the central love story. Um, it definitely won our pool of um, our sorry, our poll of uh, who's everybody's favorite love story is, and that's David and Patrick. And so I want to get talking about that, and also talk about just the way the show handles sexuality in general, um, especially when it comes to the character of David. So I just want to go around and I'll ask you first, Carla. I know you. Sh- I know everybody on this ships them. So, <laughs> what are your thoughts on David and Patrick? I am so excited to get to talk about them to anybody who is not just here. <laughs> no, but you know, I I, I, watched, I started watching this show a few years ago, and I started it. Uh, I think just as season three was concluding. So I got to the point where they had, you know, they they had just met and you go through their first date, which, you know, was it a date? Yes, it is a date. Oh my God, I can't believe it's a date. And I, I was just, from their first interaction, I was very interested in seeing where that was going because Patrick just doesn't take David as seriously as David thinks he ought to be taken. And it's perfect. It's exactly what David needs because David is a ridiculous person. He is over the top and he does uh, get a little bit too into his head and into his, his feelings. And uh, I, I think that, that you have to be able to take it with a grain of salt in order to take him seriously. And I think Patrick is perfect for that. Um, they have a kind of relationship where they, uh, they can tell each other anything and love and respect each other and that you know it's such a respectful playful relationship um and yes david does have a lot of baggage as he likes to point out in every single episode apparently (laughs) i don't know that there's been like an episode where he doesn't you know put himself down or bring up how messed up he is um but but yeah so as damaged as David is, he also has other reasons to feel unloved and unlovable. Part of that being his family dynamic prior to them moving to this town. Um, and I, I just really think that that uh, Patrick doesn't really dwell on that. He acknowledges it as part of David's being, but he doesn't try to make that a central part of who he is. He just loves him as he is. And that is just exactly the kind of relationship that I like seeing on TV where people just accept each other, love each other and have fun in creative ways. Because if there's one thing that I absolutely detest, and I know Meg agrees with me is the whole thing where you have to stretch out the, the unresolved sexual tension, the UST for the sake of, uh, of keeping people glued to the TV set. It's not necessary. You can absolutely portray a healthy, loving relationship on television and keep people interested. But yeah, so so that, that's what I think is so wonderful about this relationship. And as far as um, the handling of sexuality, just in general on this show, it's so such an open and accepting and comforting thing. And I think that's exactly what we need in television and in entertainment. It's just letting people be. You know, there, there's something to be said for um, for acknowledging a struggle and a historic plight, but... I think this is absolutely the right time to just let people breathe and exist and have their biggest problem be 
that somebody accidentally gave somebody else a happy ending you know like let's let that be the problem you know like why can't everything be about you know we got burgled and i may or may not have just given more things to this burglar just not everything needs to be struggle and uh, about who you are and it's wonderful the the way that, that they treated um david being pan i thought was brilliant i mean that that wine analogy of uh, sometimes he th- that he does like red wine. He also likes white wine. He likes anything that that um, that it's not the wine; it's the label. Oh my God, was that a revelation for so many people? And so many people were able to relate to their relatives and their family members much more easily because of this very simple way of having it put to them. And Judy, do you have anything you want to add on the David and Patrick front? Uh, yeah, um, I. I want to live in a world that treats sexuality the way Schitt's Creek does. Um, you know, it's just such a non-issue. I love it. Um, I want more representation representation on TV and movies and stuff where sexuality doesn't have to be this big, off dramatic thing. Not that there's not a place for that. It's an important story that needs to be told, but I love that in this show, it's just a normal part of the beautiful variety of, of life and the variety of people. And I, I want to live in that kind of a world, um, you know, in this, in, in gay, straight by whatever, it's all okay. The there and the great, the other great thing about David's bisexuality or pansexuality, you know, whichever you want to call it. Um, it's very few uh, shows or whatever have ever treated bisexuality correctly. Um, it's always misunderstood or brushed off. It does, or, you know, they think it means that you're poly or that you're greedy or that you can't make up your mind, or it's just a stepping stone to being gay. It's none of those things. And this is one of the few places that's ever treated it correctly as its own thing. And, um, I, squee over that so much because we need that. It's, you know, it's very, un, you know, misunderstood. Um, yeah. And then as yep. far as him and Patrick, I just have to say, oh, Patrick, oh my gosh, he's just so adorable. They could not have found a more perfect actor to to play that role and the hard eyes. Oh my God, he's got the best heart eyes I think I've ever seen. And just every time he just, even looks at David with those, uh, with those hard eyes and the perfect, he's got, he's got that perfect combination of I'm head over, head over heels in love with this guy, but I'm still not going to put up with this bullshit. (laughs) uh, um, I love that he plays that balance very well. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's incredible. They both are incredible together. Yeah. And, and just really quickly before, for jumping to you, Meg, just going back to that, to what you were talking about, how it's a more realistic portrayal of pansexuality. I mean, what's so great is they don't treat him like he's a slut, which I think a lot of times that's what they do. They just treat, they just treat characters like that. Like they either, like you said, can't make up their mind or they're just slutty or, you know, it, it, which is just not true. So I mm-hmm. really appreciated that they didn't do that. That just, it's one of the blessings of it. Yeah, people don't realize that bisexuality is actually the most common of the LGBT community, but it's just, it's also the most misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
and Meg. So I'm just checking stuff off my list that I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Did I steal your thunder? <laughs> like, oh, yep, the wine thing, yep, non-issue, great. Oh, oh wait, here's, here's one. Patrick is the cutest thumb I've ever seen. <laughs> so I have that. I have that going for me. Oh, um, no. <laughs> I crack up so hard. Yeah, yep. right? Yep. But uh, but no, in all seriousness, Carla and Judy and, and you actually, Aaron, have all kind of touched on this. One of the best things about this show is um, I love the f- fact that Dan Levy would not allow homosexual or homosexual homophobia to be a part of the show. Like it was just not allowed to be a part of this world. And I thought that was so beautiful. And his reason for saying that was don't give air space to hate Awesome. Um, yes. And, and it was, and it was just a beautiful thing. Another thing I absolutely love about, and I'm going to kind of go a little quickly here about it. Cause like I said, Carl and Judy took all my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't like going last. No. <laughs> I'm yeah, gonna you're ch- going close to the front there. So. I'm going to, I'm going to change my name. No. So, <laughs> I'm Allison now. <laughs> I'm Aaron, the male star. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but no, so one of the things I absolutely love about um, David and Patrick, and I love, I love Patrick's story of his realizing who he is. And it's not like this big, dramatic like when he comes out to his parents of course he has that anxiety and that stress that I feel like everyone kind of has when you're going to tell your parents something that you're afraid will change how they look at you I mean and that's something that's universally relatable to everybody I remember feeling it when I got my period I was very scared (laughs) when I was a kid to tell them because I'm like they're going to look at me differently now Something, our relationship is going to fundamentally change because of this. And reasonable fear or not, it's something that I think everybody to some degree can relate to. But it wasn't like so many shows when you see someone coming out or struggling with their sexuality. It's so angsty and melodramatic. And it's like, you can't be, you can't be going through this journey unless you're really struggling to pay for it. Like that's what so many shows show the price of admission to becoming yourself is a lot of pain. And I love that this show didn't allow that he had the stress and anxiety, um, but it wasn't like he had this whole dramatic and terrifying journey that he had, because it's important to show different versions of coming out stories. There's stories where people are like, yeah, I knew you were, the parents are like, whatever, I knew you've been gay forever. And there's stories where kids get kicked out of the house, but there never is anything kind of in between where someone is very stressed about it and their parents didn't know, but also didn't care. And they just love their kid. Um, And so that was something that I really loved seeing as far as, I guess I'm not going to be quick. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But kind of seeing and just seeing how organic that relationship was. Seeing a non-drama-filled same-sex relationship um, 
it was really nice. And it was one of the things that Dan Levy had talked about. And I got, I was very lucky. I got to see um, one of their up close and personal um, panels last year, which was amazing. But to see just their relationship being treated like every other relationship you see on TV, any heterosexual relationship, they're just treated with the same, just this is life. They're just living their lives together and they're just being adorable, singing to each other <laughs> and lip syncing to each other. Um, but it was a really refreshing thing to see that you can have representation of LGBTQ relationships on screen without them having to be full of angst and darkness. You know what I mean? So that's, that's what I've seen. I checked everything off my list and then I just added a bajillion more things. Cause I just can't stop talking. This is one of those shows <laughs> that, that you can just talk about forever. Yeah. It, you know, on, uh, no, on the surface, it looks like a silly little comedy, but underneath there's just so much. Judy, I'm going to spoil something for you. Forever. Uh-huh. I can talk about most things forever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you gathered that when we recorded all the Michael Shore episodes, but yeah. <laughs> Stop. Oh, fangirls. I love them. <laughs> yeah, no, and um and yeah, the only thing I'll add because everybody's said everything, I think, um with David and Patrick and with the way the show handles sexuality, the only thing I'll add is that the simply the best two of those two times, the first one with Patrick singing it to David and then David lip singing, well, actually three times. And then David lip syncing it to Patrick and then having it be in their wedding. Oh my! I God. just, uh, this, I will never be able to hear that song the same way ever again. I think that's just one of the best scenes ever. And what I heard, you know, them talk about is that what's so great about that for people in the LGBTQ community is seeing such a romantic gesture like that, mm -hmm. that you don't see that much. And so just being able to have that moment um, is, it was just so beautiful. It was just, and watching just when Moira just places her hand on David's shoulder, when she realizes how great and wonderful this moment is, that was so beautiful. Also. Yeah. I'm got sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I am not allowed to watch open mic with my husband in the room anymore. <laughs> I watched it. I watched it so many times that actually even my kids are like, mom, enough. <laughs> can you not well, do this anymore? Simply the best is actually, and you know, it just shows how mean my husband is. Cause that's actually his ringtone when he calls me is simply the best. <laughs> It's, it's Patrick and it's Noah Reed singing simply the best. Wow. And so I stuck it, I stuck it to him. <laughs> yeah, because I mean it's and I literally started tearing up just now talking about that scene. Oh, yes. I know, like I said, chills every time I think about it. Oh yeah, it's one of the most beautiful scenes. And then I, having the Mariah Carey song in their wedding yes. too. Oh god, that was so in, in um an open mic when uh when uh, Patrick is singing it to David and you can kind of see you know they cut to and away from David a lot but there's just like this one moment where you catch um Catherine O'Hara just wiping a tear away 
and it just oh it sends me to the stratosphere every single time yeah and and that was that was and that was Catherine crying not moira i was just gonna say yeah yeah that that they said that like she could barely get through it because she just she just kept crying and it's so beautiful because you know it's uh it's moira rose you don't really expect that from moira necessarily particularly at that part in the series and just to like have that moment caught just makes it all even more emotional but you but you see her give that little side eye to david in the scene too i've watched that scene just watching moira's reaction because i think it's actually really beautiful mm-hmm. um but it's it's a fun juxtaposition between Moira and Catherine O'Hara, I think. And I have one other simply the best fun story. So my cousin's wife, who's one of my favorite people in the world, I like tw- she came to visit us. They live in Cincinnati, and I just started watching Shit's Creek with her. I'm like, you are going to watch the show, and you are going to love it. And I do. I like. I basically tied her down and made her watch it. Well, last night she sent me videos of her singing and dancing simply the best like she she memorized the choreography of david's dance (laughs) and sent me videos after a few vodka peps or vodka cokes or something she sent me videos of who her doing the entire choreography of it and it was the most amazing thing i've ever seen i don't think she would forgive me if i posted it publicly but it was hilarious (laughs) That's so awesome. And, you know, I have been trying forever. Carla knows this because I tried to get Carla to convince my mom to watch it as well. I've been trying forever to get my mom to watch this show because my mom is always looking for shows mm-hmm. that are like this show, shows that where everybody is really sweet and endearing and nice and there's not a lot of violence. There's not a lot of dark and twisted stuff in it. And so I've tried and I have sent her the Simply the, the Best clips because because I was like, okay, if you can get past because she she's tried to watch it and she can't get past Roland. That's her big problem. She she can't stand Roland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's and rough. So, he's a tough yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, and so and you know, so I sent her and she loves love stories. Like she loves romance a lot. And so I've sent her those clips and said, "You're just come on, you'll just you love this couple." And she's loved those clips, but for some reason I still okay. can't get her so, to watch Aaron, the show. The key is cuz I tried to get my mom to watch the show forever and just telling him to and you like it, you like it. They're never going to do it. The key is you have to be there and just turn it on. Yeah. And then yeah. they get them hooked. Yep. I did the same thing with my mom. And she actually told me, she goes, I'm so excited for this podcast episode about Shit's Creek to come out so I can listen. So <laughs> you really. Hi, mom. <laughs> yeah, right. Hi, mom. Couple yeah, hi, Meg. Well, and my mom, I love my mom. She wouldn't get off the couch to get away from the TV. So she didn't have a choice. But if your mom, if your mom, Carla knows, she's met my mom. <laughs> if your mom who is one who wanders, just tie her down very gently. <laughs> gently, gently. Stay, stay six feet away. Stay six feet away for social distancing. Or you'd be like, hey, mom, we're going to video chat. And then when you go to video chat, just go to Netflix Play and be like, bam. So like, mom, mom, share screens with me on Skype. Give me control. And then when you have control of her computer, just bring it up and be like, ha, 
Yeah, well, well, she does. She's doing a lot of Zoom meetings right now, so I know she can do just with her friends. So I know she can do Zoom. So I'll just have to schedule a Zoom time with her and just share my screen and make her watch and just do it and be like, you can't change it, you can't turn it off. Nice. There you go. Yeah, my mom does. My mom does listen to this podcast. I don't know if she'll listen to this one because of the spoilers, but she is just be prepared. I am all about the stealth, basically holding people hostage um, to get them to watch those. The only reason Carla has not watched one of the shows that I've recommended a million times is because I physically cannot go over there and make her. She was going to come up to visit me, and I was like, that's great. Don't mind the seatbelts I installed with no release <laughs> on the couch so I can make you watch Heart of Dixie with me. <laughs> I think that's one of the ones that, no, that's Heartland. I'm like, I think that's one of the ones my mom, no, it's Heartland. My mom loves the show Heartland. So that's I, I, I saw the first 10 seasons of Heartland. So Aaron's mom, watch it's Creek. Your friendly fellow Heartland fan says it's good. <laughs> There you go. That'll get her to do it, probably. <laughs> she does, she loves that show so much. It's and so funny. If you want to enjoy a margarita that never ends while you watch it, that's good too. <laughs> Although it's gonna end. it's gonna end. My bottle is getting empty. Oh, no. <laughs> uh oh. Okay, well, let's go into probably one of the other, um, David's best friend, really, uh, Stevie on the show. And Stevie, of course, is a member of the town and helps to run the motel and ends up running it with Johnny and becoming partners there. So, Carla, what are your thoughts on Stevie? You know, at first I wasn't sure if I liked her. She's she's just so, um, so dry. And uh, I don't know, she, she was too similar to David for me. And I thought that, that was too much. So, like the, the the first few episodes, I had a a hard time with her, except for the fact that she's absolutely beautiful. So, I was like, okay, they're both beautiful. I can probably get through this. Um, but you know, she started to really grow on me pretty quickly because she she does have a heart under all of that, you know, very crusty outer layer. Um, she is a very caring person, and even though she doesn't, you know, she doesn't like high five. She doesn't do hugs, but she will give everything in her to help her friends and to just and to show how much she cares for somebody. And it, it really, it, it bothered me so much when, um, oh, I can't remember his name, the, the guy she was dating for a bit, um, when he decided that, that she was, he, I, listen, I loved him. I thought he was great and I thought that they were great together. And it really was so sad for me when um, when she shows up ready to go gallivanting around motels for a weekend. And he's like, yeah, I don't really see you like that. It, it broke my heart for her. And that, you know, it was at the moment when you really see the depth of her ability to show her caring. Like she went out on a limb. She doesn't do that. You know, like she's very, she'll hold back until she's shown that she's safe. She's kind of like a cat. <laughs> you know, like a cat will will not come and sit on your lap unless you you prove that you're a steady lap to sit on, and that's kind of what Stevie is like. She she was interested in hanging out with David from the beginning, although I think that was because she found him attractive, 
Um, and then she found him interesting. And it was more fascination than an actual friendship kind of thing. She just was born with this town. And there's this interesting new guy who happens to be good looking, who like seems to be very different from everything she's ever known. And she just really becomes, um, uh, I guess she falls in love with his inner self. And I don't mean that in like a romance kind of way, although they did have that little fling for a short time, but she just falls in friend love with him and he does it for her also. And it's easy to see why. I mean, they're both people who um, are a bit dark. They're both very quirky. They're both very picky. They've both, uh, they both kind of recoil at the idea of like springing, of somebody springing love on them. Um, and it, it it just makes like the, for the perfect friendship there. Um, I I just I I didn't know that I would come to like her so much. I didn't know that I would come to care for that character so much. And seeing her interactions with I mean to me her interactions with Alexis are like whatever. It's just you know they kind of um, are there because they they live in the same place and they both love David. They do have their own friendship, but it's not anything that's particularly interesting to me. To me the most interesting interactions in which you learn a lot about her are her interactions with, with Johnny. Because with him are some of the times when she's the most vulnerable, even more so sometimes than with David. Because with David, they're peers. You know, they, they have um, similar, I guess, life questions at the time. But she comes to see Johnny as somebody that she can go to for advice for the much harder things and somebody that whose uh, validation she tries to gain to a certain degree. And um, she she doesn't come out and say it, but you can see in the episode where Johnny um, has gas and not a heart attack, that she's the most broken up person there. I mean, no, that's not true. Mario is the most broken up person there, but I mean, Stevie is a very close second. She she could barely move out of her little chair. But, but yeah, like she, yes. But she, she really cares about Johnny and his opinion and his um, his advice. And it, it really becomes like another father-daughter dynamic. And I just loved seeing that. That is a different kind of vulnerability. And I, I, I thought it was very sweet and showed so much about, about um, Stevie. And Judy? Uh, well, you know, I have to agree with you completely, Carla. At first, I thought... She took a little bit of time to grow on me because at first I thought she was just going to be this one-dimensional side character. She she did seem so dry and and God almost boring. Um, but then the way that they gave her depth and vulnerability and growth changed everything. I loved her um, more and more all the time. Um, watching her relationship with David grow into this like equally supportive um you know just balanced relationship was really heartwarming maybe a little bit unbalanced you know she was probably more supportive of him because he's so self-absorbed but still i do i love the way they both you know supported each other and then oh my gosh the the lovely relationship that she developed with johnny um you know, when, when she first comes in the picture, you just, you don't realize how completely alone this girl is. She has no one when the show begins and she seems just so, so lonely. And then to watch this crazy family and Johnny, of 
course in particular and and David embrace her and basically like not let her retreat into herself, which was definitely her inclination um, was really just a, a thing of beauty. And it showed the humanity and the love that the roses actually do have in their hearts. Um, and uh, just on a side note, I have to say one of my, one of my, my sons watched this show with me. And one of them told me that his absolute favorite thing to do is watch an episode and watch um, Stevie's face. <laughs> Her reactions <laughs> to the insanity going on around her are just a thing of brilliance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. She loves herself some drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I wonder if that's what it is. Like I said, she's so, kind of so alone at first. And then the, this bigger than life family moves in and I can see like moth to a flame, the, the attraction there. Yeah. Well, and yeah. And to go off what you were talking with Judy about her being all alone. Actually, I'm going to check that off the list of things Sorry. I was going to say. About, <laughs> no, I'm, I know, I'm just but, but something. So we've talked a lot about how Schitt's Creek has kind of saved the Rose family and how and the effect that going to this little town has had on the Rose family. But we haven't really talked much about the effect that the Rose family had on this town. And I think the personification of that is Stevie. Yeah. So I used to ship uh, Stevie and David in the very beginning. Carla laughed at me when I said that when I first started watching. Um, I absolutely love Stevie. I think she is the personification of how the Rose family changed Schitt's Creek, not just how Schitt's Creek changed the Rose family. I love that she was adopted into this family and her relationship with Johnny, I think, is honestly the most important and paramount of the entire series, as much as I love David and Patrick and everyone else's relationship. I think Johnny and Stevie really kind of shows the blending of these two very different cultures and how they can coexist and actually help each other flourish. Um, and I think Stevie's life was saved by the roses just in case you can't make it work later. Um, <laughs> and I love watching Stevie love to watch drama. Um, Judy, you said that your sons really like to, to watch that. It's one of my favorite things is how excited she gets whenever somebody else is having a hard time is one of my favorite things about her. I never had to warm up to her. She reminds me too much of people <laughs> I know and love. <laughs> and the thruple storyline with her and David and Jake and eventually Patrick was oh my God. <laughs> one of my favorite storylines of the whole series, and I was afraid that we weren't going to get to talk about it, but that thruple thing was the best. And I also have to throw out here that I love the fact that she and David <laughs> slept together, and she had feelings for him, and he wasn't really very sure about it. And I love how they got past that and were able to show a really healthy, loving, wonderful friendship that can happen after you take things too far and kind of regret it or not regret it necessarily, but decide that this is not the relationship you should have. And I love that pull back. portrayal of that yeah. friendship. Yeah. So I feel like I really like plowed through that everything and, and listeners, I promise I try real hard to be like circumstance, like to be nice about it, but recording hates me. <laughs> I, felt, <laughs> I just felt very bullet pointy right now. Like I have to make sure I get the shit <laughs> I, I want to say said. <laughs> like, uh, I no, but it was good. You said some great stuff. So I know I like. I normally like to let things breathe a little bit while I'm talking, but I just I I couldn't. 
And Stevie and Cabaret is one of the best things I have ever seen. I hate Cabaret, but I love her in it. Um, I If it was her instead of Liza Minnelli, then maybe I would have enjoyed it more. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Now I'm going to drink some margarita to help my parched throat. <laughs> yeah, Stevie. I, and I, I'm like you, Meg. I liked Stevie from the very beginning. Um, I, she was probably my favorite character from the beginning. She reminds me that so kind much of changed of over time. Like, but... I couldn't, I couldn't not love her. She reminds me of oh, my really? sister yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. She reminds me a lot of a lot of people I've been friends with throughout my life. Oh no, it's fine. Um, and what I loved about the cabaret episode, her solo performance and watching mm-hmm. her oh my God. be so incredibly vulnerable, which is so hard for her and putting her heart out there and her soul and everybody embracing her and just watching her face when she was done at the very end, just that emotion. And I uh, it was, oh my God, I get I chills <laughs> thinking about that. Yeah. That, that's, that's, yeah. That's I just one got of the goosebumps in you talking about it. It's so, it's so <laughs> I did. I might get a little weepy. Yeah. And she, and she, it's, she, <laughs> and she has helped the roses so much. I mean, just watching that scene with David when they're parked in front of the house that mm-hmm. Patrick wants to get for him. And they're sitting on the hood of the car and her just basically just saying, look, this is what you, you know, this is where you should be. This is what you really want. And really pointing him in the right direction was so beautiful. And their friendship was so great. And that scene where they, where, you know, David says, I think you're the first real friend I've ever had. And just them having that moment was so beautiful. And um, I know recently I was (laughs) shared with Carla, one of my, yeah, on their honeymoon. Yeah. Um, my friend Joyce, who I've, I've who I've known since I was five years old, she recently started watching Schitt's Creek, and she texted me. You know, she was telling me about it, and she said, "Oh, and it, it, David and Stevie have to get together." So I just I didn't say anything. I'm like, "Okay, you'll just you'll did, see." And then she texted me later and said, "Oh, never mind. I love David and Patrick." So, so I think, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that I had to mention that because when you said that, it just reminded me of that. But I actually had the opposite John, reaction. I really, oh, really, when 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 the two of them slept together, I was like, "Ew, I, I don't know." I was just like, "That just doesn't work." They're supposed to be friends, and I don't know. I just no. didn't get it at all. <laughs> one of yeah. Carla's yeah, one of Carla's favorite yeah. one of Carla's favorite things is to like read my texts as I live text her shows that she's seen before that I have not seen. So she can just <laughs> laugh to herself about the ridiculous things I say. Well, and you're, cause you don't yeah. want to spoil it for me, but you're like, right. ah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, you I just wait. Love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, th- that is a fun thing about when you love a show and somebody else is starting to watch it and you know what's coming and they haven't gotten to a certain point that maybe you think is amazing or maybe you have issues mm-hmm. with. And, you know, especially if someone's mentioned something that somehow calls to that thing that's going to happen and you're like, I got to just be quiet because I just can't wait to see what oh, your no. reaction is going to be. She, and like, for me, just, I'll be like, you've got to let me know when you get to this, when you get to this episode. Yeah. You got to well, let me know she's like, there, I just got to like, know your reaction. So, 
Um, She'd yeah, be like, we- Meg, Meg, just wait till the end of season three. Just wait. Season three is when it gets like amazing. And then I got to Patrick showing up. I'm like, okay, she loves this little thumb. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, that's what I keep telling my mom. I'm like, just wait till you get to season three. <laughs> It's so hard to tell people, you know, like, just just stick through seasons one, season two is supposed to pick up a season three, man. I always tell people that they're short, uh, short seasons. It's like, it's just like 21 minutes per episode and it's only 13 episodes per season. You can make it. It's worse when it's the opposite, when it's like, it's really good and then just nose dives. I'm muscling my way through Buffy right now and boy, those first couple seasons are little slow and awkward so, <laughs> and people yeah, can't really make it to season three and four they're amazing <laughs> yeah and then I love, seasons i think season six is really good and <laughs> i i love it when i have to preface just make it past the first season or two um to people <laughs> what i recommend is show like when i t- when i try and get my, my sister has never seen the office and i've been trying to get her watching she goes i just can't get past the first season i was like then skip it it's not a big deal just skip it. You might want to go back later, but skip it because it didn't age very well. Um, <laughs> yeah, with those and like like we mentioned, and Parks and Rec as well. I think with certain shows, it's okay when you skip like a season. Yeah. Certain other ones, like well, you know, Doctor Doctor Who is. Another I, I'm one. actually not a big. Sorry, we're going on total tangent here, but I'm I'm not I'm not a big fan of the first season of Supernatural honestly. I think Me it's either. okay. I just think it's incredibly cheesy. And I had a, and I didn't really fall in love with that show until season 2. Sorry, we're going on a whole tangent. Let's get me started. Hang on. Hang on. I'm going to I'm going to bring Fandle. it back. And Carla, Carla is the one okay. who got me to watch Shit's Creek. Carla's the one who got me to watch Shit's Creek. And I resisted cuz I thought she was talking about The Ranch. With Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> and finally she's like, no, I'm not talking about the ranch. It's about this rich family. And then I finally started watching it. So Carl is oh. the reason I got into Shit's Creek. And the, the ranch. ranch. The ranch. With Ashton Kutcher in front of the that live so studio audience. I mean, audience. You that, Carla, and and I've never seen it. But. Exactly. Well, and that's what was so weird to me. She goes, you should watch Shit's Creek. And I was like, I saw the first... Uh, the ranch. I thought. Remember yeah, when I thought ranch, you were telling me to watch the ranch, and you were telling me to watch Shit's Creek, and I was like, I saw the first episode. I'm not a big Ashton Kutcher fan, and you're like, what the okay. hell are you talking about? So we're gonna bring it around. Now we can talk about the townsfolk, right, Aaron? Take it back around to the show. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're I, gonna talk about. We're gonna I talk know my about brand. the town. <laughs> We're going to talk about the townsfolk now. Um, and I'll just quickly say that um, for women, I did two separate polls, your favorite female and Ronnie won that one hands down on both, I would say both Facebook and Twitter. Um, and then for male, it was, it was really close call there between Bob and Ray kind really? of went back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> Really? Ronnie? Well, Ronnie? I, I excluded I excluded Ted and Patrick from the males, so that's probably why it was more than Ronnie's rivalry um, with and, Patrick is one you know, of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah, and, and funny enough, because um, I saw that 
Carla on Facebook said, yeah, I won't, yeah, I don't know how anyone could pick Roland. Almost right after you said that on Twitter, <laughs> it became this four-way tie between all four men. <laughs> and then it got broken up and then it was a tie between Bob and Ray. So, which never got broken. Did you say so, Ted yes, was included so or no? No, he wasn't. Ted and okay. Patrick weren't included. Okay. So that's gotcha. why it was yeah. those. Yeah. Because I purposely didn't include them because they were part of a relationship, which we haven't even gotten to Ted, of course, but I don't know if we'll get, we'll probably get to it with this one. But I'm so anyway, so, get to Ted? <laughs> so Carla, what are your thoughts on all the different townspeople of Schitt's Creek? I have all the thoughts and here they are. I'm going to start by saying that I really enjoyed the casting of all of the different townspeople. I thought that whoever cast this show is absolutely brilliant because I just, you know, you can't really picture anybody else playing these people. Jocelyn is fantastic. She is one of my absolute favorite female um, characters on, on the show. Uh, you have Ronnie, who is, you know, outside of the roses, and Stevie, my favorite one. She is just so cold and, and so abrupt, but she's a really nice person. Yeah, she's really nice. And she's like the most uh, put together and, and most professional of pretty much all the townspeople. She's the only person who seems to make sense consistently. Um, and even in the fact that, that she's the first person to have pointed out that Patrick is shaped like a thumb, which which is I was like yes thank you I always knew he resembled something and I couldn't put my finger on it and you literally said finger and now I can't unsee it thank you Ronnie for being the voice of reason in this whole town um but you know I you know I, I think I, I I one of the reasons that I was drawn to the show was Chris Elliott because I've always loved him and I hate him so much in the show and I just I was going bananas over the fact that he is unbearable, he's uncouth, he's disgusting, even his mullet bothers me, like the, his habits, the, the way that he that he talks with Johnny. <laughs> but it's just, it, it's, oh, it's so off-putting. The way that he eats everything about him, just like, oh my God. Yeah, no, for sure. But it was like, oh my gosh, I don't know that I can tolerate this. But he's done better in, in other shows. Yeah, but but he hasn't been like this much this in pretty much anything that I've seen up until now. And this was just like, okay, thankfully it's in small doses because if there, if there were more of him on the show, I would not be watching. But okay, aside from that, I love everybody. Even down to like the very small, very small uh, characters, like the, the lady who ran madly, the, the adult, um, the senior dating service where you know they sit down with her and and johnny says what does madly stand for and she's like mature adults dating lovers yes it, it's something that i just love to like throw out and meg when i'm texting her every now and then i'm just i just message her madly and mature adults dating lovers yes and it just it cracks me up and meg's like lol but uh, <laughs> but you know bob what i love about him is the way he runs I don't know what it is. Like, if you see Bob run, it is the best thing on the screen at that moment. It's so very specific. It's fantastic. Uh, that lady who just shows up now and then, she used to, she was the cashier at the um, at the grocery store where David got his first job in town. And 
she just shows up in, in, in other little scenes here and there. And she's kind of like dead eyed and, you know, like unenthusiastic, but she's great. I just love her. But th there's just no townsperson who doesn't bring something interesting to a scene. And again, I, I give huge credit to the, to the casting people because, you know, you could, you could write something really well. And if it gets into the wrong hands, it's not going to be, it's not going to come across on the screen the way that you want it to. And every single person really hits their mark just beautifully. Like Wendy, the, 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 um, what was it? The, not dress barn, um, in Elmdale. Yeah, it was like a dress barn. Um, every, thank you. Yes, blouse barn. I knew it had a barn in it. Um, just her, her attitude the entire time that she reacts to David. It, it's just, you know, can you really imagine somebody like that in real life and, and have them be that, have that kind of interaction with somebody like David? It's great. And Judy? Yeah, so I have to agree with you. The townsfolk definitely bring a breadth to this show. And it kind of reminds me of like a Parks and Rec, how, you know, the, those those townspeople each are so different and they and so quirky that they just bring such a cool quirkiness to the show um but let me just start off by saying i want to be a jazz girl i'm so jealous <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love the jazz girls and it's just the greatest thing ever i want to be a jazz girl <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um but so aside from that, townspeople, I have to say, Bob annoys me every time he's on camera, <laughs> except, for, except for when he was in all weather. I mean, I was like, okay, I'll give him that. That was funny. <laughs> but other than that, it just Bob annoyed me. But Jocelyn, oh gosh, what can I say about Jocelyn? Um, I feel like there's, you know, she's this little side character, but there's so much there that could be explored. Um, like she, you know, she pastes on this huge smile but you can see the way the actor plays her that there's so much going on behind that smile like it's just so much restraint um and it's like the bigger she smiles the more she's plotting murder in her head and that's like one of my favorite things ever i just love jocelyn to death <laughs> yeah and meg uh yeah so i agree with everything carlin and Judy just said, but I feel like I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Twyla. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. And how how beautiful she is, and how she, we talk about Alexa, how Ale Alexa Alexis has been through some shit. My little Alexa is about to start lighting up um, about how Alexis has been. <laughs> so we talk about Alexis and how she's been through a lot, but Twyla's really been through a lot too. And I think one of the most interesting things is her how happy and sunny and upbeat she always is kind of through all of it. And I love how she mentions all these really like kind of horrifying and hilarious things that happened to her, but in such a like happy, upbeat kind of way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I absolutely love that about her. I love that she has enough money to do whatever she wants and go wherever she wants. And uh, she just very much loves the life she has. 
And I, I absolutely love that about her. I love how content she is with herself and how happy she is with who she is as a person and how she just embraces herself and her life. And I think that's fantastic. Um, we touched a little bit on Ray, but he cracks me up. He's got 800 jobs and he's not very good at any of them. <laughs> um, I would never, I would never. He's a hustler I, though, man. He is. I would never let him do any photo sessions. <laughs> but I love him so much. He cracks me up. Um, and I know that I have to disagree with Judy. I love Bob. <laughs> Bob. Bob is just so ridiculous. And Bob and Gwen are just so like he's just so clueless and out of touch. And my favorite one of my favorite episodes, I know we're gonna we're supposed to touch on this later, but I have to say it now. Uh one of my favorite episodes is when Moira and Johnny decide to get away to Roland's cabin. <laughs> they wind up breaking in to the cabin and they go and have an amorous evening and they come out and there's Bob and Gwen sitting on the couch. <laughs> like they, they came into their cabin, they heard people having sex in their room and they just decided to sit on the couch and wait. Just went with it. <laughs> and they're just like, and then and their and their relationship and Gwen, I need I could do a whole series, honestly, on just Bob and Gwen's weird relationship. <laughs> wow. Like you see that picture of them and the the other couple on the log together, and you don't know anything about mm-hmm. any of them, but you know this is some weird swingers club. And then Gwen <laughs> And then Gwen leaves him, but he's still like, we got to make sure to save us at, like at the yep. wedding, at the end of the series. Oh, I know. We got to leave a spot open in case Gwen comes back. And it's just, I thought there's so much comedic just treasure to get in there. And I, I could honestly watch an entire series just kind of on the townspeople of Shit's Creek, <laughs> but especially Bob and Gwen and that really weird I'm just gonna... thing they have going. Now I'm done. Oh, also Bob and the cabaret. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. When Bob, when, when Bob auditioned for cabaret. Oh, and she was so excited about it. Yes. Can you hear yes. me? Can you hear me now? Okay. Yeah. So when Bob yes. auditioned yes. for cabaret and they're like, trying to be angry and he did his usual run walk and then he stopped and put his hands on his hip and I just, I could not stop laughing. I could not stop laughing. It was the funniest thing. He's he was gonna be trying to be a Nazi or something. And he's just like yep. angry and he did his little run. <laughs> yeah, the run's pretty good. I could it was amazing. I love him so much. And now I'm gonna shut up before I get cut off again. <laughs> oh, okay. um, I'll just add a couple of quick little things with uh, what I loved about Ronnie, one thing I loved with Ronnie was, you know, she was kind of cold, kind of distant, had this wall up. Um, but in the, when she has that final scene where she gets emotional when Moira is saying goodbye during that scene, that was so great because it was like she kind of broke down that wall a little bit. Um, 
And she just let a little bit of that emotion come out. And it was, it was just so great to see. And then watching her walk the red carpet for Moira's premiere and how gorgeous she looked. Right. I mean, she was just, <laughs> oh my God, she was stunning. She, she completely took, she took the, um, what's it called? Oh my God. I can think of it in Spanish, but not in English, but she stole the the show right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was just, oh my God. She I don't was know. So- I think the crows attacking everyone stole the show. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. But as far as the red carpet looks go, she definitely stole the show. I mean, it was just, it was great to see her out of the normal clothes that she would wear, which I loved her outfits, but it was just, it was just nice to see her just look so beautiful and gorgeous and stunning and to give her that moment there. So she was great. I, I can't, I don't like Roland. I You know, and a lot of it is because he's so gross to watch. He's very hard to watch. And I feel so bad for Jocelyn having to be married to him, I have to say. I'm like, how could you ever have sex with that man? Well, he knows what it's like to be in bed with a naked rolling shit. All right. She knows. You wonder why behind her smile is a plotting murder. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah was, and I love Jocelyn. I think Jocelyn is great, and watching yes. her relationship with with Moira, especially, um, and then also watching how much she has so much faith in Alexis, and she, I think, she's the first one in the town to have faith in Alexis, mm-hmm. um, and just watching that kind of carry over is great. Um, and and I, I Mutt, I kind of went back and forth on. <laughs> When the, I when the when he was first, yeah, I did too. Until I did my little poll thing, and and but you know when it first started, I actually really liked Mutt, and I wanted Mutt and Alexis to end up together. I thought Ted was kind of bland, and then Ted became more of my favorite for her. Um, and then Twyla, of course, with Twyla just ending up being this secret millionaire, it's just <laughs> the most amazing thing in the world. And the fact that she has such a great heart that she just decided she would still be a waitress. And then she ended up buying the diner. But it was just, it's just such a, she's such a sweetheart. And um, yeah, she's so great, great to watch. And she's, of course, the sister of Dan Levy and Eugene Levy's daughter too. So I don't know if we've mentioned that, but in real life. So I just, I thought she was great as well. And yeah, I think the casting is so spot on for everybody, really. Oh. And and Ray, I have to mention Ray, when they're getting ready for David and Patrick's wedding and he's filming, he's still filming it. And he's like, well, they said to film everything. <laughs> he's, so, <laughs> he's so great. Yes, uh. yes, he's so funny. I know, I know. Well, not even. Not even useful, just doing something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> just happy to be a I part of it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's he so is great. the personification of I'm just happy to be here. Yes. <laughs> exactly. exactly. He is just happy to be here, happy to be included. And I love mm-hmm. that so much. And it's I, and I yeah. didn't get to talk about Roland because, again, I was really scared about my, my cutting out. But the first, that first dinner with Roland when he's doing the fun, the fun, and his fingers are just coated in cheese. So gross. I was like, okay, but first off, I am from Wisconsin. So if anything about cheese makes me go ick, then I feel like it's a really huge approach. Um, 
that I feel like told me everything <laughs> I needed to know about Roland. But at the same time, he is so gross. And I feel like we've bagged on him a lot. And I do hate him a bit because he is just ick. He's like the worst character or the biggest caricature of like this. Whatever. I don't even know what he is a caricature of, honestly. But when push comes to shove, he's there. You know, that's true. He is is there. He is gross and he's not the friend that you would want to like admit is your friend. And we saw that with, with Johnny and Moira's anniversary dinner, but he is a very genuine caring person too. And I loved when Johnny stood up for them at that dinner. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I, I had to defend Roland a little bit. Yes. (laughs) I hate to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, because Roland really does go to bat for Johnny. What when, when I what you know he, he pokes fun at Johnny incessantly, and like that really bothers me. I think he's really disrespectful to Johnny. But when it comes down to it, he does have a lot of respect for him, and he really admires him. And you see that in that scene um, when they're uh, doing their pitch. And he's the only one left and he just stares them down and absolutely uh, in his own way rails at their treatment of Johnny and really shows how much he, he, he the, the high esteem in which he has him. And eventually you can kind of see his teasing of Johnny is more of the familiar kind of ribbing that a lot of people do with people they love and are and trust and are close to in the beginning it, i feel like he was just so full of his own importance uh, of being the mayor of this town and bless him for having so much pride in his town and when you and you watch it and you see these town people he deserves to have that pride it's a town full of lovely people i think maybe he was in um worried about sort of being upstaged you know as he's he's been the mayor for a long time and all of a sudden these famous formerly rich people came in and i think the whole thing was him kind of putting that aggression well, on them because he didn't want yeah. to be upstate his his well, position in town to be upstaged and not just that but the fear that the town was going to be sold to who knows who, who to who knows who and them making a joke because he does not see his town or his name as a joke and that's kind of what makes it so funny for the rest of us too to kind of laugh at him a little bit because he does not see it as a joke. Yeah. And he, right, you know, and he, the whole but thing he's of, aware that other people do. Right, so he because the whole the reason the town was bought in the first place was yeah. as a joke. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So I, I can, I felt I had to defend Roland a little bit as as, <laughs> as frustrating as he is. Uh, he is also. Everyone in this town is just, everyone in this show is just a good person. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, and we were going to touch on favorite episodes, but I'm actually going to skip over that because just because of time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And just get into um, the series finale and just sort of everybody's thoughts on the series finale and and how it wrapped everything up. Um, Carla, what are your thoughts on the series finale? It was such a perfect finale. You don't often have, perfect finales you often you seldom have even good finales because i think a lot of shows really just try to pack everything into one thing or have a perfect ending or have um or just tie things up really neatly in a bow and what this show did throughout the entire final season is they blew up some of their own 
perfect relationships because if it had ended with you know with um alexis and ted going off into the sunset together and everybody living in the town together i think that's pretty much what everybody expected you know that that they would come to see that this is their town these are their people but they um they really set it up so that you know moira is still moira she's still um an ambitious actress and she still cares about her her career even though as she herself has pointed out it has not been particularly kind to her and you still have johnny who he loves the town he really truly does and he loves stevie and you know even roland but he is still somebody with just huge ideas and huge amounts of ambition and the town was just not going to be able to contain him um and it would have been a disservice to those two characters to keep them pinned down in that town you have alexis who you know again she could have married ted it could have very well ended up being that they come back to the galapagos and everything's perfect and they she moves in above the veterinary clinic and they live happily ever after above the the office but she follows her ambition and her passion leads her away from ted leads her in fact away from her family and she's still gonna be okay and you still feel that um and of course, you know, David and Patrick, it makes sense that they stay there because that's where they have their, their business. Patrick doesn't really necessarily seem like a big town kind of guy. And it's still, you still end up feeling like everybody's going to be all right in their own way. They are not going to all end up together in the same spot. Like my heart kind of wished that they would. But this is one of those times when not getting what your heart desires is actually better. And I know that I, I can't be the only one who would have loved to have seen the whole thing end up with like a, a big meal at Cafe Tropical and, you know, they're all there together. But I think this was a million times better because it shows them actively moving on to the next phase of their lives. And I don't think you can ask for anything more of characters that you come to love so deeply than to see them engaged in what will bring them happy happiness next and you know like for example friends ending the show in the empty apartment when monica and chandler are getting ready to move out and they're all headed down to um to central perk i i think that part of why that didn't necessarily work as an ending is because it's an ending there's no feeling of well we know what's going to come next for these people. It, it's just, you know, they have their, um, their path sort of set out for them, but you don't see them moving towards that. It's just, you see them leaving this empty place and it tears out your heart. Whereas this, you know, you, you, you leave feeling like they've come so far and by leaving with Johnny and Moira, we are going on their next step with them, even though, even if it's just in our imaginations. That's a really good way to put it. And Judy? Um, okay, so I know we're skipping favorite episodes, but I just have to give props to the incident and David's oopsie-daisy because I can't remember ever laughing so hard at an episode in my life. Oh, my gosh, that was a riot. <laughs> I was so Okay, so moving on to the, the – oh, God, the secondhand embarrassment and the cringiness, yeah. but also just, you know, we all have – really embarrassing things that happened in our life and it was just done brilliantly and patrick's reaction was brilliant <laughs> the blast yeah. 
<laughs> the plastic on the mattress. This is brilliant. Oh, gosh. Okay. So <laughs> the finale. Um, Carla agreed with, a, uh, I agree with a lot of what you say. I was a little bit conflicted. For, uh, first of all, I love, love, love what they did with Alex. Uh, I'm sorry, Alexis and Ted. Um, it literally had me in tears. I, it was so good. It was perfection. The, the love that they had for each other and the way that that love grew, but the maturity that it took and for both of them to make the sacrifice for the other person. Um, it was just so beautifully done and, you know, kind of going back to what I said earlier about how, how, you know, Alexis has spent this whole series fighting that inner selfishness in her, which you see through her hands and her, you know, facial expressions and stuff. And for, for that to win once again, to her to be selfless and let Ted go, but also a little bit selfish and know that like she needed to do this for herself too. It was just gorgeous. Um, but then talking about the the finale itself, like I said, I'm a little bit conflicted because it's a little bit too, to, for me, it was a little too perfect that um, they get their money back or not necessarily all their money, but they, you know, kind of, it, it's, it just seemed a little too easy and life is not like that. <laughs> you know, anybody who's been poor knows. It ain't easy to climb out of that. And so to be that broke that they literally had nothing but the clothes on their backs and then to end up with, you know, starring in the show again and getting an investor to to spend millions in the hotel and, and all of that. It, I don't know. A little bit too perfect. But as far as each each individual path and the way that they each got... um had grown so much from their experience in Schitt's Creek and how I think they'll go on to be better for it. That part I absolutely loved and have to also give props to the, the wedding and the vows were just the sweetest thing ever. And Moira stealing the show with that outfit. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, a little bit of con conflict on, you know, just that little bit too perfect of, you know, with gay, we're, gonna have a new hotel chain and all of this but other than that i just loved what they did with all of the characters and their growth and their um showing what they're going to do next and so hopeful yeah i i gotta say i kind of disagree with it being easy for them i think i don't think it was easy at all i mean they had to get the the show had to end with them getting the impetus to leave like they had to be able to leave. I feel like that was the whole premise of the show, but I don't think it was necessarily easy. I mean, it was years of hard work from Johnny and Stevie to really get the Rosebud motel thing off the ground. Um, and a lot of stress and work and strain. And as far as Moira getting her part back, I can kind of see that, but I think so much of that was, she was kind of back in the game with the crows have eyes, three of the croning. Um, oh God, I love that. <laughs> That, and I think it was great that she was able to kind of morph that into an actual career rather than just being kind of a campy one-off. And I really liked that. Um, I, I loved the finale. I thought it was fantastic. Everyone in this, in the main cast got what they needed and what they wanted. Um, like I said before, David and Patrick 
of course they were going to stay. Like they were the, they were, David was the only one of that family that I could actually envision staying. I could never see Alexis staying in Schitt's Creek, even for Ted. And that was one of the things that I really loved. And you mentioned it, Judy, about their breakup and Carla mentioned it too. They had this very mature breakup where there was no bad blood and they broke up because their lives aside from this relationship were going exactly in the directions that they always wanted to go. And that just did not gel with a relationship at the time. And I, and I thought this show has always done a really good job of depicting relationships in a way that we don't normally get to see and having that Mm -hmm. heartbreaking, but beautiful um, conclusion to that storyline and that, and that relationship was fantastic in my heart. Do I believe that in three years, Ted will find her and they will live happily ever after without having babies. Cause Alexis is not mother material. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No shade, yeah. no shade on Alexis. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. But I couldn't really see her the way I look most days. Um, but another thing is I, I, I did love the finale. My mother probably will hate it because if it's does not end in like nuclear Holocaust where everyone is dead. So she knows exactly what happens next. <laughs> she's never happy with the finale. Um, but I, I, I really loved how it ended on a little bit of an open ending. I, I generally really like kind of time jumps when we talked, we talked about parks and rec having their kind of time jump and six feet under had a really brilliant series finale with their time jumps. I like that this one didn't do that. I like that we can kind of all fill in the blanks for ourselves as to what happened with these characters. I love that Stevie is going to be able to go from city to city and place to place, setting up new motels, but she'll still have this home base in Schitt's Creek. And I love that. Yes. And she'll get to travel. Exactly. She gets both. She gets the best. She gets very hopeful. Yeah. She gets the best of both worlds. And I really, really love that. Um, I would hate to have a time jump be like five years in the future and have these characters not end up how I envisioned them ending up, to be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Um, or specifically, I would hate to see a time jump and then have them have the um, time jump haircut, where all of the women's hair is like five inches shorter and and in a bowl cut. Anyway, please proceed. I just wanted to point that out. Well, that's never, true. Yeah. That's just, I never thought of it. The other thing I needed to say was that I call BS on Carla saying that she wouldn't watch the show uh, with Roland shit if he was more involved, because I know that David and Patrick would lure you in no matter how insufferable anybody else on the show is. <laughs> no, it's true. And frankly, just David, because as I've mentioned, Dan Levy is super hot. And also Eugene Levy has age to my expectations. So His hair is amazing. Okay, and can yeah. I say about the finale, I would have loved to have seen Alexis take some of that money um, from Twyla and then become sort of partners in her business. I'm so happy future. that she, but yeah. I'm so I'm so happy that she didn't though. I'm yeah, I mean so I'm, I'm because, satisfied. I just I kind of like would have liked that but, as well. But, but I feel like her taking that money from Twyla would have been a regression for her. Hmm. 
because I feel like six years ago, if Twyla had mentioned it to her, she would have jumped all over it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And for her to be like, for her to have that moment of temptation, like literally everybody else would, and then resist it shows like that 30 seconds showed all of her growth. Yeah. And, and I feel like it would be unfair to take that from her by letting her take that money from Twyla. Because she doesn't need it. She's going to make it. She is going to be fine. And yeah. I and and that's what the the finale told me is that everyone is going to be fine and they're going to be happy and they're going to be okay and they're going to be better than they were at the beginning. And I mean, what else can you ask for in a finale? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and I have to say, um, you know, even though I was crying when I was talking about the um, David and Patrick singing "Simply the Best," I think this was honestly the first episode that I ever cried at when I watched it. Um, and I, and I tend to do that in finales. And also this is such an emotional time right now that I'm crying at commercials. So that, that's <laughs> part of it too. Um, but, but I just, oh, I think a, there's I a think high V commercial. Just, I, mean, I agree with pretty much everything everyone else has said. There's really not much I can add. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think it's a, it's a perfect finale. Like everyone has said, um, I love that we got to see the Schitt's Creek town sign be be replaced with the rose family i thought that was so perfect and johnny not even mentioning it just kind of looking at it and seeing it and seeing his smile and his warmth the warmth in his face um and i love what happened with everybody and i love that at least one of them stayed behind and i love that it was david um i think it would have been kind of selfish in a lot of ways if he had gone to new york with patrick because patrick clearly did not want to do that so, but Patrick would have, because I think Patrick would do anything for David. Yeah. So I'm glad that it didn't go that way. Um, and I'm glad that David realized that that's where he wanted to be and that's where he should be. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think it was as close to perfect as you can possibly okay, now get. I've lost everybody. Um, and watching the whole documentary afterwards was really beautiful as well. And, and watching what a great cast they were and how, what how what an impact this show had on people and their lives and i think that's you know not just even in a fandom way even though you saw that when you see their touring shows but just in the impact that it had on people being more open about their sexuality and people feeling more okay with that and i just think that's such a special 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 thing that shows very rarely can accomplish and so i just think that that's great i think it's a very very unique show and very special and i'm very glad that i gave it a watch okay so i think that's a good place to kind of wrap up i mean there are things we didn't really touch on we kind of touched on ted and alexis a little bit but you know we didn't get to touch on our favorite episodes except for mentioning a few so um you know like with everything we can talk about everything for like four or five hours um it seems to be but we're gonna go ahead and close out and just have everybody say where they can be found and if they have anything they they want to plug start with you carla I am Carla Temis. I'm not Carla Temis Rose. I only said that because of the show, because I'm in love with them, but it's just Carla Temis. And I can be found online at my website, carlatemis.com, and also on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram. Um, what I want to plug right now is that I am doing, I'm participating in a quarantine photo challenge started by Mel Rothman. Um, her Twitter at is um, uh, Old Pal Photo, and it's so much fun. 
I've been having a blast with it. And you can find all of my photography right now on, um, on Twitter. Awesome. And we'll, of course, we're going to link again to your website, like we do on all the, the show notes. So great. And then, um, Judy. Um, yeah. So my main, uh, fandom sort of presence is on Tumblr at Angels Watching Over. Um, but that is not really Shit's Creek related. It's like 90% supernatural. So if that's not your thing, then I wouldn't bother. <laughs> Just, um, and then Meg? Uh, yeah, so you, you can, can hear find... Me. <laughs> yep. Can you guys hear me? That's the question. Yeah. Um, you can find me on all of the things at Wisconsinac, which oh, is oh. W-I-S c-o-n-s-e-n-n-a-c-h and blame carla like i have said every time <laughs> for that username um, but that's what i have now and that's what all of my stuff is and i tweet about a lot of weird fandom things and politics so if that's not your thing too bad follow me anyway ah! <laughs> <laughs> too bad follow me anyway <laughs> <laughs> okay okay and this is Erin you can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty the E and the A and the B are capitalized be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod follow us on Twitter at fandom thing pod no it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod um, and if you have any show notes, feedback, if you want to be a potential guest on the show, feel free to email us or reach out to us uh, via Facebook. Um, but our email is it's a fandom thing pod, all one word at gmail.com. And next week, our main show, um, we are going to have an interview as well, but our main show is going to be covering the Mindy project and Meg will be returning for that one as well. Um, and that should be very interesting since uh, that's how some of us met. Um, and also that'll be one of those examples of when a show was really great and then it kind of went off the rails. So until next time, remember it's a fandom thing. So is the podcast episode going to go off the rails. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.